everyone. So it's really good to be with you this morning. Now today, it's like I was just saying to um, someone, it feels like we've been here every day this week. Because if you came for pancakes on Tuesday and then you were here for Ash Wednesday, and if you came to something in the week, you would have been here. And then, of course, today, and then we went off yesterday out to Sistrunk. We went to the museum. So we have seen a lot of each other. And this is how you know things are, are that, that you know, you know, when you start to realize where people sit, then you know. Like, I'm comfortable because I'm starting to see where people sit, and I see people have moved today because there's no choir. So I'm like, you're really disrupting the works here. But let's, um, let, why don't we just for a few moments get out of our seats, walk across the room to somebody you don't know, and why don't we pass the peace this morning? Peace, 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 peace. How are you? Okay, friends, <laughs> that's, that is good. That, I think, is really what church is about. In fact, that's probably the best part of the day. So, friends, let's gather ourselves as we hold ourselves in the presence of one another and of God. In this Lenten period, I invite you now to respond in our call to worship. On these days of our Lenten journey... Christ goes with us side by side. While we gather here for worship, may our lives be focused with praise and care. As we sing, pray, and listen, may God's Spirit deep within us come alive. And may this time of worship be for us a constant guide. Now let us sing with joy and vigor as we learn how to serve Christ more fully. Amen. Let's stand together, everyone. Here we go. Glory to God in my heart. 
ask the adults to sit and the kids to come on up. Tim has something special to share with you this morning. Come on, guys, I don't bite. Sometimes. You're right. So who knows what season we're in? Lent? Yeah, that's right. Um, so basically today is the story. That's fine. Rock and roll? I love that. So today's story takes place after Jesus gets baptized and he goes into the wilderness. Now, what do we do during Lent? Okay. Anybody know the word for give up stuff? It starts with an F. It's like speed. Yeah, we fast. You should know that. You're a pastor. No, you're good. You're, 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 you're allowed. You're, <laughs> you're allowed to answer. So while Jesus is in the wilderness, he gets tempted by Satan. Now, who knows what it means to be tempted by something? Okay, so it's like peer pressure. That's a good answer. Um, have you guys ever been tempted by something you're not supposed to do? So, who, so who's played video games rather than spend time with their parents? Ooh. Okay. Who's ever played video games rather than wash the dishes? Who's ever played video games rather than wash the dishes? You've never, you've never had chores to wash the dishes? Man, I wish I grew up nowadays. Mom, you were tough on me. <laughs> Is there a list? Oh, I'm in trouble when I get home. <laughs> So what are some things you guys are tempted by other than video games? Sebastian, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, Asher. Chess? You're tempted by chess? Overdoing what? Chores? Okay. Yes, chores are very boring. Chores aren't very fun. You like chores? Which chore is your favorite? You like mopping? Dishwasher. Washing a car. Your chores are tough, man. Cleaning your room is fun? I mean, that's fun, too. If you have a TV and video games and an Xbox, you're good to go. <laughs> I love you guys. Okay, so we're going to pray and then we're gonna go upstairs, and then we're gonna learn the story about how Jesus was tempted by Satan, okay? So will you pray with me? God, thank you for bringing the children here today. Um, we've learned that they are tempted by some funny things. Um, may they have ears to hear your word as we go upstairs, and may you protect them as they are the next generation in the body of Christ, amen. So now that we know that Jesus loves us, would we stand as we sing together this next song? Every day we need something from the Lord. We need his presence. We need him to be us. We need 
we need him to be with us everywhere we go and we need his Holy Spirit is that amen song? I think we do. I want everyone to lift your voice and sing when peace. When
sing it. It is well. It is well with my our time of prayer together we're going to be sharing today in a poetic meditation as part of our prayer from one of my favorite books called gorillas of grace we'll spend some time in silent meditation before and we'll close with the lord's prayer but in the middle i invite you to just sit in silence and take in the words written by ted loader so let's bow our heads Father God, as we come to you this morning, help us to just take a moment to breathe. Help us come to the foot of the cross with all those things that are heavy on our hearts. Help us to name silently those who are in our prayers, the things of the world that break our hearts the things that help us to see as you see, the things in our communities, things in our families. Also, Lord, let us come to the cross with our joys. Let us celebrate with you all the blessings that we receive each and every day and help us to share the stories as we see you. Father, help us to rest in these words from Ted Loder about catch me in my scurrying. Catch me in my anxious scurrying, Lord, and hold me in this Lenten season. Hold my feet to the fire of your grace and make me attentive to my mortality that I may begin to die now, to keep those things that keep me from living with you and with my neighbors on this earth to grudges and indifference, to certainties that smolder possibilities, to my fascination with false securities, to my addiction to sweatless dreams, to my arrogant insistence on how it has to be, to my corrosive fear of dying someday, which eats away the wonder of living this day, and the adventure of losing my life in order to find you in it. Catch me in my aimless scurrying, Lord, and hold me in this Lenten season. Hold my heart to the beat of your grace and create in me a resting place, a kneeling place, a tiptoe place where I can recover from the disease of my grandiosities which fill my mind and calendar with busy self-importance that I may become vulnerable enough to dare intimacy with the familiar, to listen cup-eared for your summons and to watch squint-eyed for your crooked finger in the crying of a child, in the hunger of street people, in the fear of the contagion of terrorism in all people, in the rage of those oppressed by sex or race, in the smoldering represents of exploited third world nations, in the sullen apathy of the poor and ghetto-strangled people, and my lonely doubt and limping ambivalence. And somehow during this season of sacrifice, enable me to sacrifice time and possessions and securities to do something. Something about what I see, something to turn the water of my words into the wine of the will and risk, and the bread of blood and blisters, and the blessedness of deed, of a cross picked up, a Savior followed. Catch me in my mindless scurrying, Lord, and hold me in this Lenten season. Hold my spirit to the beacon of your grace, and grant me light enough to walk boldly, 
to feel passionately, to love aggressively. Grant me peace enough to want more, to work for more, and to submit to nothing less, and fear only you. Only you. Bequeath me not becalmed seas, slack sails and premature benedictions, but breathe into me a torment, a storm enough to make within me and from myself something, something new, something saving, something true, a gladness of heart, a pitch for a song in the storm, a word of praise lived, a gratitude shared, a cross dared, and a joy received. Hear us, Lord, as we come to you with our hearts joined together as one, praying the words that Jesus shared with us in unison. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day this daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Friends, we continue in our worship together as we receive the offering, and I ask the stewards to wait upon us now for the gifts and the offering. And just in this moment, I'd like to just share with you a few notices, a couple of things that are happening in the life of the church. Some, um, so there is a golf day happening in a couple of months, and there's an incredible team that gets together and plans for this golf day. And there are a couple of opportunities. First of all, who plays golf here? Okay, good job. So there's quite a few golfers amongst us, which is good. Um, so I know that we're looking for four balls to actually play golf. We're looking for people to volunteer. And we're looking for you to build a crowd around you on that golf day. So come along and like bring, some, like bring your granddad and your, your father to play golf with you. That would be really cool. What do you think? I think they could play. You know, so why don't you do that? If you want to get hold of um, Paul, Paul seems to know everything about the golf day. So um, get hold of Paul and Carolyn and get hold of the team. There's an amazing team that's working on the golf day. A couple of other things that are happening in the life of the church. You're going to be seeing, um, aren't you enjoying the children up in the front? Who wants to, who wants to take a turn in teaching them? <laughs> Let me tell you, this is a, this is a hard crowd, uh, you know. I was like, we have to mic them. I was like, when, when they started with all sorts of things, I'm like, what's going to come next? Like, you know, what is their temptation? I didn't know what was going to come. I could just feel the parents behind me were like, oh, my goodness, what's going to come, you know? But they are phenomenal. Um, and so we are looking for people to help us in ministry to young people. You don't have to be a parent of, a, of somebody that's um, a teenager or a youth. Or, or in children's ministry, but if you'd like to help, if you'd like to serve, it is a life-giving opportunity. If you're brave enough to take the hot seat, <laughs> you know, and, and, and take three minutes of your life in your own hands, um, because I think it's good. I think it's the way we actually share with young people. It's, it's the one place where we can be honest um, and be stripped down of, um, to our to, to everything. So they're so honest. So friends, um, please would you get hold of Pastor Peyton if you're wanting. And I have to say that there is Let's Eat. It kind of rushes up on us every single month. So you need to put it in your calendar. No need for me to cook tonight. I'm looking for hungry people that I can go and collect food and then deliver it to them. So please, it is Let's Eat. The youth put it on. We want to encourage them. If you are not hungry, find someone that is and come and pick up some food and deliver it to them tonight. We'll be here from four o'clock. So let's support that ministry and let's support their work. Let's receive the offering now. And so we pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this offering, Lord, that speaks so much of people's lives, of their sacrifices, of their hope, 
of how from one generation to the next, we are used in the extension of your kingdom. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom with all that we have. We are reminded, Lord God, that once we give our lives to you, you use them for the extension of your kingdom. And so we bring this offering to you and pray your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. much friends just in that attitude of praise we come before God now and let's see in the room who celebrated a birthday stand up this last week who celebrated a birthday or an anniversary anybody celebrate anything this week okay was it your birthday okay wonderful thank you congratulations and that was a very slow stand-up I mean like we were we were wondering if it really was <laughs> but 
friends, um, that is so wonderful. Now, there are a couple of things that we also hold together. I know that Nancy got a really good um, moment, so we celebrate that. But there are a couple of people on our prayer list that we remember. So Pastor Lisa is going to light the candle now as we remember those that we come before God praying for today. Let's just keep a moment of silence. We celebrate today with you, God, and we thank you for those that celebrated their birthdays and pray a blessing on them. We also pray, God, that you would be with those that aren't able to be here, that are ill, those that are suffering today. Heal them, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. We now turn to the scripture and we turn to the gospel of Matthew today and we read from Matthew chapter 4. Then the Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. The tempter came to him and said, since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. Jesus replied, it is written, people won't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God. After that, the devil brought him into the holy city, and he stood him at the highest point of the temple, and he said to him, since you are God's son, throw yourself down, for it is written, I will command my angels concerning you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus replied, again, it is written, don't test the Lord your God. Then the devil brought him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I'll give you all of these if you bow down and worship me. Jesus responded, go away, Satan, because it is written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him, and angels came and they took care of him. Thanks be to God for his word. So today we read from the scripture that it is the spirit that leads Jesus into the wilderness. The geography of our souls invites us into the wilderness, to a place where we discover ourselves. It is an entry by choice into the discomfort of our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our bodies. And so the wilderness will become for you what you need it to be, and it will become for me what I need it to be. And each one of us chooses what we will do in the wilderness. We will choose whether or not to be led into the wilderness. It will take courage. It will take discipline. It will take resilience. And as simply put by Nike, just do it. It's really that simple, the choice of the wilderness. It is where we need to be in the season of Lent. A place that is quiet and still. A place it is noisy and chaotic. And so let me tell you a couple of things that I think we should prepare for when we go into the wilderness. First of all, there are warning signs. And so the journey of Lent, we speak about our choice to the wilderness. We speak about how we take these 40 days like Jesus did and we allow ourselves to be tempted so we deny ourselves so we can experience the places of our inner souls and discover the geography of who we truly are. But there are warning signs that we need to, to know about before we get there. And so the first thing I want to say is that the wilderness in and of itself is a noisy place. 
We sit in the Gospels and we read in the different ways the Gospels handle Jesus' temptation. Some give detail of exactly what the tempter tempted him with and some others don't. But when we read in the Gospels about Jesus' time in the wilderness, we have to listen to a nagging sound that we hear. And it comes from the book of Genesis. Because there is another conversation with Satan, where the woman and the man are placed in the garden in a place where God is prepared for them. And in the midst of their paradise, God comes, God has given them everything they need. And all God says to them is, don't eat from this tree. But it is the devil who comes and says to them, you won't die. It won't kill you. In fact, God doesn't want you to eat from this tree because God, in fact, knows that this tree will give you knowledge and you will become like God. And so the tempter comes and we see that it is in this place that the men and the, the women in the Garden of Eden are unable to withstand the power of temptation. And we know it is in that place that ultimately they fall into temptation. They eat of this tree of good and evil and of knowledge. And they, because of that choice, are banished. And we begin to understand a little bit, and I'll get into it a little bit later, on how it is that banishment, separation, sin creates some idea of why we feel cursed as people. And so it's not strange for us when we read scripture, that we almost um, hold our breath when we look at Jesus in the midst of his temptation. Because if we are honest about the man and the woman, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we, we actually, we our hearts burden for them. Because they were struggling to actually do what God had called them to do. They were struggling to deal with the impact of what that temptation was going to be about. And here we find Jesus. Jesus, as he deals, as he, as he enters and his public ministry, he begins that by entering the wilderness. And at the end of that time, he is vulnerable he is hungry, he is tired, he looks very human, and that's when Satan comes to him. This past week, we had an opportunity as the pastors in the Southeast District to meet with our bishop, Bishop Berlin, and it was a very inspiring time, but I need to give you some feedback on what Bishop Berlin discovered. He said, coming to this part of the world, driving on the freeways and the highways is like grand theft auto. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? It wasn't me that said that. It was him that said that. <laughs> but he said something that was really interesting that stuck with me. He said his mantra, he's just come out of a 23 ministry period. I think he's been in ministry for over 30 years. I, but he was in one church for 23 years. And he said the one thing that he would say to his congregation is that they must expect to be afflicted. That either he will convict them of affliction or he will afflict them himself. So I'm not sure what his affliction was that he would afflict on people, but he really spoke about the expectation of affliction. And it's a little bit like what we discover in Jesus beginning his public ministry, starting it in the wilderness experience. What is our appetite for affliction? Because if we think that the journey into the wilderness isn't one of affliction, then we are misunderstood. Michael, I know that's bothering you, that noise. Hey, I think it could be, I don't know. I thought it was my earring, but it's not. Do you, would you prefer for me to use a handheld mic? Are you okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to check. Is this afflicting you badly at the moment? <laughs> so we expect to be afflicted. So I want you to just think for a moment for yourself. What would affliction be like for you right now? Is affliction suffering? 
What is the affliction that God could actually bring you to that would actually bring you to a place that would deepen your walk with God? So we get a bit of a cheat sheet from Jesus. When Satan comes to him, he knows he's hungry. So he says, you see these stones, these beautiful stones, don't they look like fresh baked bread? I mean, and you're really hungry, and there's nothing like the smell of fresh baked bread. Why don't you just say to the stone, become bread, and it will be in a minute. And Jesus turns around to him and says, no, we must choose to live on the word of God. Somehow our afflictions will relate to what we need. Our needs and our wants are clues to the places where our afflictions sit. And what Jesus says into those moments of our own affliction is he doesn't dismiss our wants, he doesn't undermine our needs, but he offers an alternative to actually sit in the places of our struggle with the things we want and need. Seek the word of God to minister to your wants and needs. The second thing that we discover in Jesus' temptation is those, the, Satan takes him on to the temple, a place of significant religious cultural experience for Jewish people and incredibly sacred for a rabbi. Ultimately, he takes him to the place that gives all sorts of meaning to life and faith. And he puts him there and says, well, just jump. And God's not going to allow anything to hurt you. Now, we know the story of Jesus. The very place of his pain was, in fact, in the temple. And it's not difficult for us to think about how religious words and holy words are used to afflict pain on one another. It is the one place where historically we have been divided forever as human beings. We know that more wars have been fought in the name of religion, cross religions, and we also know that we have a high capacity to fight with each other using our religion. And right now, even as the United Methodist Church, we are struggling in that space. So somehow, we, we have to confront the affliction and temptation of what our religious experience means for every single one of us. Because we all have an expectation of what it means to enter the space of worship, to actually experience our faith. And so it's, it's the sacred space that Jesus is opening up for us to say, be careful. Because in the holy of holies sits your greatest war. Sometimes with yourself and sometimes with one another. And then what Jesus says is even more disturbing in that place. He says, don't test the Lord. If I have known one thing as a pastor, I know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It really doesn't matter what men or women do. Ultimately, when the hand of God moves, nothing gets in the way. And so I don't think that the point of our Christian journey is to bring shame or condemnation, but really to develop a deep wilderness of wisdom as we, as we face our various temptations. And so let's us journey even into this place as a community and as a church to what do our religious experiences mean for us? And how do they discover us in a place of conflict, affliction, and temptation? And then the third place of Jesus' encounter is the one where Satan takes him and says, do you see all these kingdoms? And he takes them on a high, high mountain. And he shows them these kingdoms and says, well, buy down to me and I will give you all of them. And that's not hard for us to confront. 
the allure of power, what it is like to have power and privilege, and, and, and how, how Jesus enters that place, and how powerful systems can actually be a huge, a huge temptation. And then Jesus says to him, well, that's very simple. Worship the Lord your God and worship him only. And so I suppose part of our wilderness experience, part of our, our journey in these 40 days of Lent is to look at the idols that we worship. When we listen to the story of Rebecca in Scripture, she takes an idol with her and she tucks it away, thinking that no one will see until she is exposed. And the truth is we tuck our idols and sometimes the idols actually become our bank balance. Sometimes the idols become our family. Sometimes the idols become our children. Sometimes they become this church. They become our gift, whatever our greatest gift is. But the point of the wilderness is to live outside of the things that claim our souls. To live outside of the things that claim our souls. And so then part of our journey is to walk into the places that hold our souls, that hold our imagination. As Methodists, we, we know that part of our journey is to actually confront, in the wilderness, our sin. Now, sin, we don't often speak about sin, but the truth is, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God's grace goes before us through provenient grace. God's grace finds us and holds us and justifies us and puts us right with God. And then God's grace is like a holy fire. It burns us and until we are in the likeness of Christ. And it's really that grace, if you have been a Christian and you have crossed over that, that point of faith where you have entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have journeyed as a Christian, you then live in the burning flames of sanctifying grace where you keep discovering how God brings you to your truest self. Now, today is not going to be a lecture to you on original sin. But if you are interested in the doctrine of original sin, the one that was really presented to us in about the 5th century through St. Augustine, and kind of coming to terms with how do we actually understand sin, I think that that's one of the lectures that I'd like to give one day. Because I think that sometimes we get a little bit confused as to how it is that, that the doctrine of original sin was used to shame and actually to limit us. But the one thing I take from that place is that the word of God is compassionate. And that the word of God says that you and I are good in the places of creation. So just in that Genesis story, where we have the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, leaving that place of paradise because they desperately wanted to be sure and lean on their own understanding, where God had called them to rely on Him. And so they ultimately experienced a banishment that forced them into a lifelong struggle of actually being self-reliant and exhausted by all the rules and regulations of life, where in fact, God says, come to me, all those that are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Come, for I have ultimately given you the sacrifice of my son, Jesus Christ. And so we come at this time to discover God that loves us in our true selves. One of the things that has been helpful for me to understand is that part of the wilderness experience is to live with our true selves and our false self. And sometimes you kind of know, I mean, we all know what I'm talking about when we speak about the false self is the self that literally brings destruction on others and ourselves. 
sin is complex. Sometimes we sin against ourselves and against others. Sometimes other people sin against you and against me. And when they have sinned against you and me, and whatever that might be, you know the impact that it has. Sometimes we sin corporately. We don't often speak of our corporate sins. And sometimes our corporate sins, our collective sins, our collective destruction of one another is where we find the dark night of the soul. And so the invitation of the wilderness experience is to look for the wild beasts that live in our souls and to actually allow that word of God to come to you and I and to journey with us and to reaffirm for us that we are loved. And so the invitation in these next days is to choose a place, be it figuratively, be it in your living room chair, sitting and discovering where your wilderness is and how God is going to allow you to have the courage to face your wildest beasts. I shared with you on Wednesday night, Wednesday, some of you that were here, that my experience over the last couple of months, so I've been here for nine months, eight months I've been in, in South Florida, and I've been with you for eight months. You know when, when you start to really look out and think, well, I know quite a, most of the congregation at the moment, as I said earlier, and most of where you sit. So that's that, that most of the, some of, some of you like, kind of like, Cecil, you messed things up for me today because you moved. And, and a couple of other people did that. So like, I know, like, seriously, it's like uh, only the, and like, I've got no friends up with me today. I've got no one here, you know. So, I've shared a little bit about my journey over the last couple of years. I, I have two children, as you know, and had the most incredible experience of leading a church, starting a church from nothing. There, it was very, very exciting. And it was, I kind of always knew it was 23 years of it was just exciting, and it was wonderful, and it was, I've had somebody strangle my throat, somebody try and kill me, somebody try and poison me. Like, it wasn't always easy, okay? Because, you know, you were building a church, Paul, and every time I say this to Paul, he says, oh, I know. <laughs> but it was an incredible journey. I always knew that in 2023, that was kind of, you know, when you pray about something, like I knew that I was going to be, I, I knew that it was time to hand over that ministry because otherwise I'd be like Methuselah and I'd have to be there forever. And then it would be like, then, you know, you cannot hand over a ministry like that when it's too long because it's just not fair. So, you know, when you have a plan for your life and everything was going according to plan. And, you know, that's like, it's wonderful, even though it was difficult, it wasn't easy, it was going according to plan. And then my plan, my world fell apart. And after 30 years of marriage, my husband left. After my children moved away and I was completely alone. That was not in my plan at all. At all. You never plan. That's definitely not what you plan. But what I have discovered in that plan is South Florida, but it is also that God is present when your world falls apart. And the truth is the wilderness is a good place to go to when your world falls apart. Because when your world falls apart, there are going to be many things that actually want to draw your attention, many things. But the wilderness is the safest place when your world falls apart. And that's what I want to share with you today. Is that even though the wilderness might feel like a scary choice right now, it is a choice where we say, God, let my world fall apart. And if we become professionals at letting our worlds fall apart, 
somehow God will burn us to a place where it doesn't matter where we are, that God is present. And so it really is my prayer that no matter where you find yourself in during this Lenten period, that you will allow your world to fall apart because God is in that space. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you that you are a God of compassion. When our plans fail, you are there. When it feels like our plans are thriving, you are there. We thank you, God, that in our mistakes, you are gracious. Teach us to be more compassionate with our own mistakes and our own wounds. There is a gentle spirit that we discover in Jesus' temptation. In the loud noise and the chaos of Satan's temptation, Jesus is solid, he is calm, and he is clear. And we pray, God, that no matter what we face, that when we emerge at the end of these 40 days, that our surety would not be in our own strength, in our own knowledge, but because we have faced you in the burning bush in the wilderness. So take us deeper into our souls so that we will discover you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing our closing song?
your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Friends, before we go, can I just ask, and I want to point you out, Audrey, and it's Meryl, hey. They come from Ireland. And their family, their daughter lives just around the corner, and they've been worshiping it with us for a while. We so don't want you to go that we've given you a lanyard. You know, we, by the time you get the lanyard, like, we're holding on to you, we've claimed you, but they're going back to Ireland, I believe, tonight. And so we'll miss you, and, you know, you've got to come back because you've got the blue lanyard. So when, <laughs> so when you come and visit your daughter again, thank you for worshiping with us. We send our love to your country and to your church, and we get to experience the joy of the two of you amongst us. So thank you so much for joining us. And then, I know that you're ready to go, just one more thing. I've got, to, I've got to travel to get my passport sorted out, so you need to please pray for me, otherwise I won't be allowed back in the country. That, so, like, I have to go, so I'm leaving tonight, and I'm hopefully coming back in about eight days' time, but you need to pray that they stamp my passport, that there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that, and so that's where I'm going to be in the next couple of days. And so I, I pray this benediction over you. And now, Lord God, you are the God of the wilderness, where the lions will not devour us or the scorpions sting us. For we are bold and we are courageous. And so we will go bravely to what you have called us to. May your grace, your love, and the presence of your Holy Spirit lead us to the wilderness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please join us in the fellowship hall. Thank you. Bye.